Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. We're on our series called Scandalous. And it is scandalous that God, who is perfect, pure, and holy, would condescend to such a level to come down and confront my sin. And you know, everything is done because of the blood of Jesus. It has to be blood. It's a bloody faith. What's blood got to do with it? Well, come on, let's jump into this word and let's gain some revelation on how powerful the blood of Jesus is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, We're on a new series called Scandalous. Can you say scandalous? You know, what's scandalous is that uh, man completely disregarded God's purpose for his life and walked away from that relationship to reign and rule. He didn't, he did, God didn't give up on man, but man decided that I want to I want to take life on my own terms. I'm going to I'm going to do this myself. I want I want to be the one who determines what's right, what's wrong. I want to be that guy. And when they did that, they fell from their purpose. They fell from their calling to reign and to rule and take authority on God's behalf and fill the earth with his goodness and his glory. And so we talked about that last week, so I don't want to be a big recap, but that's what happened. But, you know, that, that God pursued man from that point forward, and he would not rest until man was fully, completely restored to his rightful place to reign and rule. You know, God didn't come to get you into heaven. God came to get his kingdom purpose reestablished in your life so that God could do his original purpose was to fill the earth with his glory. So getting to heaven, that's just a byproduct. And if you read about heaven, you'll find out there's, there's a new earth and a new heavens. It descends out of, out of heaven, a new Jerusalem. And it says, and we reign and rule with him on earth. So if you want to know what heaven looks like, when you go out this morning, take a look around. Okay. <laughs> that's a different sermon series. But we're going to talk about the blood today, the blood. It's a bloody religion, this thing that we're in. It's a bloody faith. My goodness. What about the blood? What's the deal with that? When I was a kid, we, my dad threw that. that how many went and saw the movie The Jesus Revolution? Anybody? So, uh, my dad pastored. I grew up during that whole thing, and we saw a lot of neat things happen during that time. But a lot of stuff that happened was my dad. I don't know why, and he wasn't that enamored with it, but, but he had the real gift to cast out devils. You know, all believers can cast out devils, but it, it seems my dad especially would get knocks on the door and people say, people sent me here to get the devil cast out of me. Come on in. We'd hear some screaming and yelling and puking in buckets. Good stuff. We had just a couple weeks ago a church in town sent somebody here to be, uh, have them uh, devil cast out of them. They said, we, we don't do that stuff. I heard you do. Yes, we do. So we clean them up and we send them home. Amen. So. So we bless the Lord. But you know, it's a scandalous thing that, you know, I love that song, Amazing Love, How Can It Be, that thou, my God, that you would die for me, that God himself would come and, and he would die for me. So it's scandalous. Romans six fourteen says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why would it not have dominion over you? It won't have dominion over you because you're not under the law. What is the power of sin? The law. Where was the law taken? It was nailed to the cross. Removed from you. All of its shame, guilt, and fear. That doesn't mean the law wasn't wonderful, pure, and holy, but the law could never help you. The law could never do anything except bring you to the working knowledge that I need help over here. And the law, when it thoroughly does that and teaches us that you need a redeemer, you need to look beyond yourself and you'll find someone gracious and loving who will completely set you free. So you are not under the dominion of sin. You are under grace. And that's why you're not under the dominion of sin. Colossians 1, 20 and 22, having made peace through the blood of his cross. He made peace through the blood of his cross. Peace in every way. Peace, shalom. He completely delivered us from everything that would hinder us. He brought peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind. Say, in your mind. You were never, ever an enemy of God. Never. God was never mad at you. You've never lived an unloved moment. If you study Genesis, you'll find out that every person who blew it, the way the story ended was he pursued them with his grace, his goodness, and his mercy. Even Cain, who killed his own brother, the end of the story was that God marked him for blessing, and he says, I'm going to watch over you, and no one, although you murdered someone, no one will touch you. 
It was grace and mercy that was manifest even to a murderer. All through Genesis, there's a, a manifestation of the pursuit of the grace of God. He is committed to restoring you to his eternal purpose for your life. It's a good thing. But we were enemies in our mind because our mind just, just began the battlefields right up here and the devil knows that and the devil comes and, and you know there's three, three th people who speak to you. The spirit of God, the devil, and you. And I, I tell you, you need to agree with God. The devil throws thoughts in there and then he'll tell you, I didn't do that, you did. Because he's a liar. But you know, in your mind, there's that struggle and that's, there's that battle. But you're alienated and enemies in your mind because the wicked words cause guilt and shame and fear. Yet now he has reconciled us in the body of his flesh through death to present you. He has reconciled us. It's done. It was done 2,000 years ago. And here's the result of that. Here's the result of that. He has now presented you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight settle down settle down please not in pastor carl's sight not in your neighbor's sight but in the sight of god himself he sees you he sees you well he sees jesus and somewhere inside jesus i'm veiled all my evil self no he sees you he sees carl and he says carl you're blameless you're holy and you're beyond reproach he sees me he sees me present you present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Smith Wigglesworth, one of my favorite dudes, read a whole bunch of his biographies and about his life. And, you know, Smith came home from a, he, he was out ministering and out, out of the country. And they called and said, Smith, you got to come home. Your wife has died. And he got home and she'd been there and they had her on ice in the house. And when he got home, he pulled her out of the casket and threw her at the wall and said, Live! And the people in the house were horrified and said, Smith, settle down. So, Shut up! He grabbed her again, threw her at the wall, said, live! And you know, and the third time, all of a sudden, <gasps> her breath came back. And you know what she said? Smith, leave me alone! <laughs> she said, I'm gone to be with my Savior. And she died. But he had that last encounter with her because he was away. You know, one time in a meeting, they put a sick baby while he was preaching, just put a sick baby there on the edge of the stage, and he's preaching everything. He just went and just, boom, kicked the baby off the stage. And the people just went, what? Why did you do that? But you know, the baby landed totally healed. And another guy, another guy came into the meeting. They rolled him in on a, a cart, and he was full of cancer in his, in his belly and all kinds of areas. And they, they, instead of going to the hospital, they rolled him to Smith's meeting. Amen. Instead of going to the hospital, they went to New Life, or New Life Center. Praise Jesus. They went to Impact Church. Hallelujah. That's our old name. Anyways, but, but when they came in, Smith came down and punched the guy right in the gut. Just went, you know. The nurse says, what are you doing? And he just went on preaching. The guy sat up, totally healed. He got interviewed and they said, you know, why do you, sometimes in your meetings you've been seen to hit people and things. Why do you, he says, I've never ever hit a person, I only hit demons. <laughs> I'm going to punch the devil right out of you, you know. Anyways, you know, don't, don't do that, please. Pastor told me to go punch the devil. No, I said Smith did that, and I don't know. You better have a special anointing for that one. But here's what Smith said. He said, the Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. The Holy Spirit never brings condemnation. He always reveals the blood. Can you say the blood? Say it with me again. The blood. Thank you very much. Some people are a bit eager there. <laughs> David Alsobrook, I love this quote. He wrote a book on the blood, and this is a great quote. He said, Jesus was cursed on the tree in our place, and he bore our sin in his own body. He did not bear our sin in his blood. He bore our sin in his body, and that's what it says in 1 Peter. He himself bore our sins in his body. By his stripes we are healed. You're going to get healed today, body, soul, and spirit. Today, every single person in this room, you will be healed, body, soul and spirit right now yeah 
So I, I curse the fear, I curse the doubt, I curse the skepticism that may come with it. I command it all to align with the word of God. He sent his word and he healed you. And you are healed in Jesus' name. Amen? Some of you have been healed already, you don't even know it. The worship service was so jacked up with the juice of heaven. Amen. He bore it in his own body. He did not bear our sin in his blood. It was just as holy on the cross as it ever was. He was offered the sin sacrifice to God. He was covered with pure, innocent, justifying, redeeming, sanctifying blood so that he was able to dismiss his spirit to his father at death. You see, they didn't kill him. He had to give up his spirit. Jesus was so full of the very life of God. The wages of sin is death, and he had no sin. But he took sin. A man who was absolutely sinless, a man, a man, a man who was absolutely sinless, took the sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. His body was so marred, they couldn't even tell it was a man. It just looked like they hunk a lump of flesh up there. He was so beaten and so mutilated, but his blood was the pure, spotless, precious blood of God. And you see, when the blood of God was shed, when his body took all of the sin of the world from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet today, you're going to be delivered and set free in every way. From the crown of his head, the man Jesus, that body that took the sin of all mankind, every vile, sickening, disgusting thing you could imagine. He took every sin through every generation, every century, in all time, in all of history, even going forward. He took the sin of the whole world, the Lamb of God. He took that sin. But you see, the blood... The blood from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, the precious spotless blood of Jesus, the life of God flowed over top of the sin of all of humanity, past, present, and future. And the life of God covered the sin and the brokenness, the rebellion of every single person ever in existence. That life of God came over top of that sin. It covered it and completely set it free and delivered it so that Jesus could say to his own body, I can now depart unto you, Father. I commit my spirit. And there the body died. Hey, that's why I love that quote, the blood, so that he was able to dismiss his spirit to his father in death. Andrew Murray said the blood the blood and the spirit always bear testimony together. Sing that old hymn. The spirit answers to the blood. The spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. Love those good old hymns. But you see, what does the spirit answer to the blood? Where the blood is applied, the spirit rushes in. The Spirit always gives testimony together. Where the blood is honored in faith or preaching, there the Spirit works. He will always lead souls to the blood. The Holy Spirit could not be given until the blood was shed. The living bond between Spirit and blood cannot be broken. That was Andrew Murray. The blood. When you ply the blood of Jesus, says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When you testify like we did today in song, you testified that I am redeemed because of his mercy by the blood. When you testify and you declare it's the blood, it's the power in the blood of Jesus, you are announcing let the glory of God, let the spirit of God, let the power from on high express the fullness of God in my life. Because the Spirit answers to the blood. That's why when you sing songs about the blood, you feel the presence of God. My mom said, Carl, make much of the blood, and the blood will make much of you. She really said that to me. Our churches, when we were first established over 100 years ago, every service began with the song about the blood. Every single service, they declared, there's power in the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Settle down, settle down. Get all those people over 50, start getting excited. You know you did. You, you're still going, come on, come on. The Spirit answers to the blood. It testifies together where the blood is honored in faith or preaching. The Spirit works. That's why I'm telling you, you are healed today. 
You are healed today. We're going to honor the blood of Jesus today. Where the blood is honored, he always leads souls to the blood. The Holy Spirit could not be given until the blood. The living bond between the Spirit and the blood cannot be broken. So true redemption is found exclusively through the blood of Jesus. A working revelation of the blood of Jesus will give you ongoing access to the glory of God. Where the blood of Jesus flows, the Holy Spirit goes. Amen. So good to see Rebecca right there. Isn't it so good to see? Man, yeah. Man, bless you, girl. Amen. C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, he was called the Prince of Preachers. He was an amazing preacher. But he said, Scripture teaches that life lies in the blood. Blood, therefore, is the mysterious link between matter and spirit. Certain it is that this is the mysterious link which unites these apparently dissimilar things together so that the soul can inhabit the body and the life can rest in the blood. How many know you folks are smart people? This is a smart church, right? So you don't need fluffy little feel-good sermons. You can handle a little bit of good stuff and some theology, okay? Amen, pastor. Come on. All right. The blood. So Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the lamb slain before there was a mess, before there was Adam and Eve, before, before it seemingly, before there was even any need. There was already a plan in place and the eternal purpose of God that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Redemption through his blood was always his eternal plan. Always. You see, Adam was in a place where Adam, even if he had children, he continued in that place in the garden. Even if he continued to live in the covenant he was in, there was always that opportunity. It was always glaringly there that that one tree of prohibition was there. And with Adam, there was always there the glaring possibility that one day someone would say, you know what, I just got to check it out. It could have been Uncle Charlie later on. It could have been a thousand years later and Cousin Fred. But somebody, there was always the potential for somebody to go to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and bite of that and all of a sudden, bam, 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 everybody out! (laughs) Not out because God's mad, out because in that broken, fallen state, I do not want you to eat of the tree of life and be damned forever. Moving us out of the garden was mercy. When you moved out of the garden, he put some cherubim there to guard it. What was on the, sun, the, the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies? Two cherubim with flaming swords. See, that was broken. Jesus broke it. Jesus removed the swords. And it was welcome back, but not back to where you were, but back to where you could have never gone. Back to a place where there's no more tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're now living out of the tree of life. There's two trees at the start of the story. How many trees at the end? There's one. It's the tree of life. One tree of life that banks both parts of the river of life. See, Jesus has given us grand entrance to live unhindered. There is not some prohibition. There's not something there that someday we could blow it again. It's been removed once and for all. I cannot sin. I cannot miss the mark. I cannot eat of a tree that will breach my relationship with the eternal purpose of God. I've been set free from that forever. I am forever in a relationship with God now based on his covenant, based that God and God cut the deal. I was involved only in the transcript that says because of what they did by faith, you get every blessing. And now my relationship with God is not based on performance. It's based on his love, his mercy, and his grace. Amen. We're going to talk about some more stuff today. He was chosen and destined before the foundation of the earth, before it was laid, but he has been made manifest to you in these last days. Last week I talked about Ambrose from Milan, and he said, oh, happy fault that earned us so great and glorious redemption. So the covenant the Father made with the Son took me from sinful to sonful. Say sonful. I'm not sinful anymore. I'm sonful. He took me from sinful to sonful. Now, I want to talk to you about four truths about the blood. Can we do that? Four truths about the blood. They're really easy. The first one is it had to be blood. It had to be the blood of God. It had to be shed blood. And it had to be applied. It had to be blood. It had to be the blood of God. It had to be blood that was shed and it had to be applied. That's four truths about the blood that you're strong enough to figure out today, amen? Let's talk about that. Why did it have to be blood? Because Leviticus 17 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Even Adam, the root of his word is red. The root of his word is blood. Man was created as a blood being whose life was in the blood. And God created mankind that way on purpose. And God sovereignly put life in the blood. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. 
See, the life was in the blood, and for us to have atonement to be brought at one with God, for atonement to be made complete, blood had to be shed again. Blood had to be shed so that we could be restored to God. Not restored to his love, not restored to his affections, not restored to communication with him, but restored to our eternal purpose with him. Restored to what we lost, which was to rule and reign in life. He was still your friend. You've never lived an unloved moment. Even when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Life is in the blood. No blood, no freedom. Hebrews 9.22 says, but not without the shedding of the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Now, sadly, some translations say without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. That's not what it says. Go look it up. It doesn't say forgiveness, and sin is not even in the verse. The word that's used is the word remission. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. You see, the remission had to take place because it's not your relationship with God was broken. Your relationship with the purpose of God was broken. Can you, can you tell what the difference is? You see, I, I could have a son who worked for me and I loved him and it was all good, but he, he breached the contract and I, because I, I had to let him go because he breached the contract. But you know, I still go home. They're still my son. We're still, still in that relationship, but he's no longer in a working relationship with me, but he's still in a loving relationship with me. You see, the working relationship got broken. You could not represent God anymore. You yielded up your authority and you broke the whole thing and a curse entered in and you yielded a measure of that authority to the devil himself. But God was gonna work with you, stay with you, graciously minister to you, graciously nurse mankind along to a place where he could once and for all restore you to a place that you'd never been, to bring you into an unshakable, immovable relationship with him that was by his mercy, through his blood, once and for all, you'd be bound to God and one spirit with him. So do you understand the difference of what I'm talking about today? And it's so important. These words and the difference in the translation and the usage is so important. It's remission. Remission is the word aphesis. Aphesis means to release from bondage. Remission is a legal term. Remission is a pardon of an offense. Remission is once and a for all act. Remission brings freedom and remission involves sacrifice. You know, forgiveness doesn't involve sacrifice. God could forgive us. God did forgive people. He forgave people their sin. Love always forgives. God didn't become loving just because of the new covenant. God was always love. I am God. I change not. Jesus was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even David, before the new covenant, had a revelation in the old covenant that he's taken my sin as far as the east is from the west. He's removed it from me. In God's mercy, he's forgiven me. He loves me. But you see, something more than forgiveness had to happen for me to be restored to my place of a reigning, ruling regent in the earth. And sadly, if we believe all that happened at the cross was my sins got forgiven and I get to go to heaven, we don't understand the eternal purpose of God. He's looking for kings and priests who will reign right now in earth with him, who will kick every bit of nonsense out of the earth today and restore the purpose of God right now. You don't get healed in the sweet by and by. You are healed right now. It's your right and privilege because you have been released from bondage. There has been a remission of sin. Sin the noun. Sin that brokenness. The broke, broke away from your purpose. You've been restored where now you can enforce healing in the earth today. And you can enforce healing in this earth today because it's legally yours because remission is a legal term. You didn't have it legally before, legally you have it right now. Hey, thank you. Hebrews 10, 14 and 18, the Passion Translation, and by one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, remitted, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? That word there, forgiven and forgotten, is the same word ephesus, sadly translated as forgiven in a lot of places. It is forgiven, but it's more than that. You've been absolutely made free to be who God called you to be. Number two, so it had to be blood because life was in the blood. Life was in the blood. Number two, it had to be the blood of Jesus. It had to be the blood of Jesus. It had to be the blood of Jesus. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, you weren't redeemed, you weren't ransomed. 
There wasn't a remission. There wasn't a restoration to your purpose because of gold or silver or some other payment. You've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, Jesus without blemish and without spot. See, not just Jesus' death, but Jesus' life was important. It wasn't just that he died for you, it's that he lived for you. See, Jesus lived an absolutely pure, sinless life. Jesus was the only man who lived under the law who perfectly lived righteously under the law. He's the only one who in the old covenant lived an absolutely perfect life. The new covenant didn't start with Matthew chapter one. The new covenant started in the upper room when Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. And the new covenant started to be manifest when he went to Gethsemane and he began to sweat drops of blood for you. The Atonement was on because the blood of Jesus was being shed. And it's the blood of God, the pure, spotless lamb. It's the precious blood of God himself. Acts 20, 28 says, the church of God, which was purchased, which was ransomed, which was redeemed by God's very own blood. That's the scandalous thing for me, that I've been redeemed. I've been ransomed, not by my performance or my good choices. I've been redeemed by the precious blood of God himself. What purchased me? The blood of God. The most costly thing in the universe is what God poured out to redeem me. Thank God for the blood. It's the precious blood. It's the perfect blood. It's the powerful blood. It's the penetrating blood. It's the positioning blood. Let's position me in my rightful place to reign and rule. Are you guys still here? So it had to be the blood because life is in the blood. It is a life for a life. The life of God for all the lives that were broken. No greater love has any man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. God laid down his life for you. Isn't that great? It's precious blood. It's the blood of God. Number three, Jesus' blood had to be shed. It had to be shed. It wasn't enough that Jesus came and he had the blood of God in him, but it had to be shed. And as David also Brooks said, it had to be the shed blood because his body, the perfect lamb of God, here's the big default. Here's where the devil totally screwed up. The devil was willing to put the punishment for sin on that man. But the problem was you just put sin on a perfect man. The wages of sin is death. But if that man is going to die, if a perfect man is going to die, then bam, bam, bam. All bets are off, devil. That man, he qualified to take the sins of the whole world. And he qualified because he was the son of God and because the divine blood was in his veins. So my blood covered a multitude of sin. Isn't that good? <clears throat> but it had to be shed. And what's amazing is it was literally shed from his head to his toes. The blood poured out over every aspect of his body. Jesus' blood had to be shed. So where was it shed? Seven places. First place, he sweat drops of blood. It all began in Gethsemane. When he was weeping, literally, they think that what happened to, to sweat drops of blood means you had to literally, you then had a broken heart. You had to have been so grieved. So the, the prayer, the time there was so painful that literally his heart broke and he had, had blood coming out of his pores. Right there, he began to manifest atonement for mankind. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness on my behalf. He was fully obedient to the will of the Father. He said, see in that garden, the man Jesus in the garden is literally saying, Father, could you take this cup from me? Is there another way to do this? As a man, he understands what's in front of him. And he says, Father, is there, is there another way to do this? And yet he said, yet not my will, but your will be done. If you've ever had a moment in your life where honoring God and walking with him in a situation seemed too hard for you, you know what you need to do? You need to plead the blood. Because he's been obedient for you. I don't walk in Carl's obedience, I walk in the obedience of Christ himself. My obedience is rooted in the obedience that Christ had for me. And when there's a difficult time and a difficult season in my life when I wanna cry out, Lord, this is too much for me, I can also say, I plead the blood. I plead the blood and the power of Christ, the power of the blood of Jesus rushes into that situation and enables me to willingly follow the purpose of God, even if it's difficult, because I lean into the obedience of Christ. I lean, bring everything, it says, bring everything captive, captive to what? To the obedience of Christ. 
What do you pull all the difficult things captive to? To the obedience of Christ. Submit every difficult circumstance to the obedience of Christ. I plead the blood. This is hard. This is tough. I'm wiggling. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, 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 I seem to be resisting and, and rebelling against this whole thing. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And that situation will break and the will of God will flow in your life. And you'll see the obedience of Christ manifest in you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Not my will, but yours. The second place was the 39 lashes on his back, whipped 39 times. Most people died from the lashes. I mean, he already cried until his heart was broken. Then he went and got beat up and lashed 39 times. Isaiah 53, 4 says, and by his stripes we are healed. Stripes means those stripes in his back. Those whips that had, had pieces of bone and metal. A, a, a cat, what are the cat of nine? Uh, nine I mean, they would, that would whip, and when the, they pull the whip back out, it would tear the person's flesh off. He was beaten wide open. By his stripes we are healed. Listen, uh, stripes. This is actually an article by Brendan Frey, University of Toronto. It was in University of Toronto News. You can go Google it, take a picture of it, Google it yourself. But they did a study. It's been said before that all sickness is found in 39 roots. But in their study, they found out that there's, there's 39 noble genomes or genes. There's 39. It says, when we rank the mutations using a method, striking patterns emerge, revealing that there's 39 noble genomes having the potential role. And when you read the article, what they're saying is every single sickness finds its roots in one of these 39 places. Every sickness is rooted to one of 39 places. He got whipped 39 times so that he could take care of every 39 one of those roots so that you can be free. So just speak to your body right now and say, I am healed in Jesus' name. By his stripes, I was healed. By his stripes, I was healed. By his stripes, Jesus, by his stripes, I was healed. Dr. Caroline Leaf, I love Dr. Leaf, but she has a book, The Gene Myth. She said, our DNA is not our destiny. A lot of people get into, you know, well, you know, I was born to crappy parents, you know, so I got all these problems. Mom had diabetes, dad had arthritis, and you know, I heard, uh, you know, my grandfather, he died a heart attack, you know, by the time he was 70. My other grandfather, he died in 39, died of bowel cancer. So I got some bad DNA, hallelujah. Get that from my mother. I get my good looks from my mother. So. Never mind. <laughs> Didn't hear a lot of agreement there. It's all right. I'm leaning into the obedience of Christ. I'm not mad at you. I'm not disturbed at you. It's really tough to pastor these people. I plead the blood. Hallelujah. I plead the blood. The gene myth, our DNA is not our destiny. It's principally our thoughts that influence those genes which are active. See, there are genes which are activated by you. You literally, your thinking turns things on and off. So what she found is that even if you do have a gene that's gone sideways, it is not activated just because it's there. It's turned on or off by your thoughts. As a man thinks, so he is. So if you think you qualify for the bad nonsense in your past DNA, then you're thinking wrong. So what are you? Are you subject to your DNA? No, you're subject to the bad thinking. That's what Dr. Lee found out. She found out you can have those bad strands in there, but they can be turned, you know, not only, not only can they be turned on, but she found out they can also be turned off. So here's the good news. If you, by going to some silly church who taught all that, you know, generational curse stuff, you can be healed from that today. You don't have to go through counseling or anything else. Jesus' blood dealt with the generational curse. So how do you deal with generational curses, Pastor? I plead the blood. Then get rid of the stinking thinking. Some of you got stinking thinking right there. I could feel a few bad thoughts towards your pastor. Who was that? Don't make me get the Holy Spirit to point you out. Ha. It's all right, Sarah, it wasn't you. <laughs> she said, it's principally our thoughts that influence those genes which are active. So when all is said and done, we are very much in control. And we are not victims of our biology, or if you may say biology. 
potato, potato. But there's the, you can take a picture of that. There's the website right there. You can go read that. You can get Dr. Leaf's book. Really, really good stuff. She, as a practitioner, has seen so many people healed just by fixing your brain. Who broke your brain? You know, who broke your thinking? And so he came to redeem you and to redeem your thought life. That's why it's take every thought captive and subject it to the obedience of Christ. You get some bad thinking, you got to nail it. Another place, he was beaten and bruised. He was beaten and bruised. Why do you get a bruise? Why, what happens when you get a bruise? There's inner bleeding. And he was beaten so bad that all of his organs, all of his body, there was probably massive inner bleeding going on. That he was still alive to even say, I give up my spirit, was simply because it was the blood of God. And life is in the blood. Inner wounds, inner bleeding, inner healing. Inner, say inner healing. Say, I don't believe in inner healing. I do, but I believe inner healing took place at the cross. It's not by works that I boast. It's not that I had to try to achieve something. It's not that I had to check 15 boxes to get free. He checked every box at the cross. And every single bruise and every inner wound he took, you can literally say right now, for, has anybody ever been betrayed? Has anybody ever been hurt? I mean, I, I love the testimonies we've had here of people that God just spoke to them and said, you're righteous. And you know, right then, there was a decision had to be made. Am I going to accept the nonsense? Am I going to accept the things that have been done to me physically? Am I going to accept the things that, that I've, have happened to me, that they frame me? Or am I going to take the word of God? He said to me, I'm righteous. And then it became a mantra for her life. I am righteous. It was not set free. Literally went into counseling programs, went into all those things and realized that this isn't it. He's it. And I'm not saying counseling is a bad thing. I've gone to some. I might have some more really soon. <laughs> we might bring a marriage counselor here and Sharon and I have a session right in front of you all. Just so you know, it's okay to talk to somebody about your problems. But you know what? Ultimately, if you need your inner world, your pains, your betrayals, all those things healed, and how many know we've had some? I've had a bunch. Have you? But you know, you can let it all go by saying, I plead the blood. And he took all those inner hurts. He was wounded for you in every way. He was wounded for every disappointment, every fear, every hurt. He was wounded for you. And you can be healed today, right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray over people who feel like there's a fixed event in your life that you can never come past. There's a place where you were hurt, you were abused. There's a place where, where you felt marked you forever and you'll never get past that moment. I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, that's canceled, it's broken, it does not define you does not define you. Jesus loves you. Jesus defines you. You are a child of God. Did all of that happen? Absolutely. Was it awful? Absolutely. But the only path to freedom is this. You'll have a certain level of freedom if you pursue all kinds of things and read all kinds of books. And, and some of that is good. And I, I do all that myself too. But ultimately, the righteousness, the blamelessness, the holiness, the absolute freedom you need comes only through the blood of Jesus. And you're totally free. You're totally free. So I pray over you right now. If you got a hurt, if you got something that nags you, you put your head on the pillow at night and that comes back into your mind, that's the devil. He wants to completely remind you. He wants to limit you and say, you're broken. You're never going to be anything good. That's the devil. What you need to say is, you're a liar. I plead the blood of Jesus. We got four people clapping today instead of three. Isn't that awesome? I got a convert. Hallelujah. So good. Beaten and bruised. Next thing, crown of thorns. He had a crown of thorns. Galatians 3, 13 and 40 says, having become a curse for us that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, the thorns represented the curse. Thorns were a, a manifestation of curse. And you see, when they put a crown of thorns on his head, he was the king of curse. You were the cursed king. But you see, he who had no sin became sin for us. He who was not cursed, he who was life itself, he became cursed that I might be blessed. And he took the curse. He took it right here. He took it on the crown of his head so that your mind now, you can declare, I no longer have the fallen mind of man. I have the mind of Christ. 
And right up there, boom, he set you free from stinking thinking. He set you free from the curse. He set you free from all the effects of the curse. Having been a curse for us that we might receive the promise, and the promise is sonship. I love the, the, the joy to the world. Don't you love joy to the world? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Where's my choir? Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, settle down, settle down, settle down. I'm just going to have to have a song service one of these days, just for fun. But you know what it says? I love the verse that he comes to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. So wherever the curse is, joy to the world. He has come to make his blessings known. Anywhere where the curse is active, his blessings penetrates every single area of that. Joy to the world, folks. Joy to you. Joy to me. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. He was a good friend of mine. I never understood a single word he said, but I helped him drink his grape juice. But I helped him. I don't even know what that's about. Jesus. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. He makes his blessings known as far as the curse is found. Listen, let's go on. The next one. Spikes in his hands. Spikes in his feet. Spikes in his hands. You know what your hands are for? It says, now go lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. You are a bridge. Priest is pontiff. You are a bridge from the heavenly realm to the physical realm. You are a place where people encounter heaven. My, uh, Mike, Wayne told us yesterday that, you know, all week long, Wayne could tell you stories all week long where he is constantly manifesting his priesthood. He is constantly manifesting where he sees brokenness. He says, hey, how are you? I'm a gateway to heaven. I'm a gateway to heavenly favors. My hands are here to bless you. And you right now are experiencing the defeat and the, of brokenness and sin and shame of the devil. But I am here and my hands give you access to the heavenly realm. I am a dispenser of the favors of a wonderful God. And see, he had those nails in his hands and his nails in those hands brought your hands to a whole new level. Your hands have been brought to that place where Adam was, but through his hands he reigned, he ruled, and he manifest and exercised authority and dominion over the whole earth. Your hands are now released. Where you go, that's feet. You see what are feet? Feet are about kingly things. It says where your feet go, every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, you have dominion and you have authority. When you walk into Tim Horton's, when he walks into the room, everything changes. Did you feel that? When you walk in the room, I mean, all the king's horses and all the king's men came with you. My wife loves to call me Humpty Dumpty, and I said, well. I said, Humpty Dumpty had all the king's horses and all the king's men. Hallelujah. But you see, when you walk into a place where there's brokenness, you bring the kingdom. And you bring the kingdom so that through your hands, as a high priest, as a priest of Almighty God, you can loose the resources of heaven wherever you go. I'm a living, breathing, walking, mobile tabernacle of heavenly realms. I am the gateway to heaven. Be lifted up, you, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of heaven may come in. Not come in, but come into the world. Come into the affairs of earth. Come into the affairs of what's going on. You are a gate to every heavenly blessing. And that was restored to you at the cross. Hallelujah. All right, pastor. Hey, you should be healed. If you, you got stinking thinking. If you're, you're living below your privileges, the cross tells you that I indeed am reigning and ruling in life in every way. Revelation 1, 5, and 6. Now to him who loved us and washed us from our sin with his own blood. Now some people stop there. God loved us and washed us from our sins. Hallelujah. That's not the end of the story. He loved us, washed us from our sins, and he made us kings and priests. Hello, I love that. He's washed my sins away, pastor. Hallelujah. Yeah, but the reason he did that was so that he could flood you with himself so that the spirit of God could come upon you and his kingdom and all the manifestation of the kingdom. You could be a carrier. I am a carrier of heavenly favor. We, I, I wasn't asked, would you like to be a king, Carl? Would you like to be a priest? Would you like to do great things for God? No, I just want my sins forgiven and go to heaven. Just, I just want part one and two. You know what? Part three is an optional. He made you. 
to be a priest and a king. He made you inherit. Why? Why? To God his Father? Why? For what reason? So that to him would be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You being a king and priest is how he's going to bring in his eternal purpose in the earth and it's going to be manifest forever and ever. Hallelujah. I'm an open heaven. I'm in Christed forever. I reign and I rule. The blood has positioned me. Last one here is the sword in his side. So it had to be the blood. It had to be the blood of Jesus. The blood had to be shed, and the blood was shed, perfectly shed in every way. The last thing that happened was a sword was shoved in his side. And it says when the sword was shoved in his side, out from his side came blood and water. Why blood and water? Blood and water because when your heart breaks, a big sack of water develops in around your heart. And when his heart was broken and pierced, blood and water flowed out of his heart. His heart was broken. His heart was broken. Psalm 69, 20 says, Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. Luke 4, 18 says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. If your heart is broken, you feel you can't look up. You feel so defeated. You feel so broken. You're full of shame, full of fear. Life, you're in despair of your own existence. He died for you. His heart was broken for you. His heart was broken so that he could be the one who heals the brokenhearted. Number four, and we're done. Are you ready? So there's four. There was seven points on point three, which doesn't really count. It's still a four-point sermon, even though I tucked seven points into the third point. <laughs> it's not a 13-point sermon. It's a four-point sermon. Don't mess with me. Fourth had to be blood, had to be the blood of God, had to be the blood of God shed, had to be the blood of God applied, applied. If you do not apply the blood, that's a problem. See, the fact that it was his blood and the fact that his blood was shed isn't enough. Is everything necessary for all mankind to be saved done? Yes, it is. But you've got to accept that. Was the blood shed to heal every single disease that ever existed? Yes, but you've got to apply that. It's not, oh, God did some good stuff. It's really awesome. Look at all the neat stuff that's available. You have to apply it. You have to apply it. How do I apply it? Real easy lesson. You ready? Here's how you apply it. You ready? Here's how you apply it. You ready? I plead the blood. I, say it with me, I plead the blood. What do you got to say for yourself? I plead the blood. All right, here's two ways the blood's applied in the Old Testament. First, by hyssop. Does anybody know what hyssop is? Hyssop, it's a plant. It's a big twiggy plant. So you imagine dipping the hyssop in blood, and then you sprinkle the blood. What does that mean is going to happen to the blood? It's going to get everywhere. See, the first application of the blood is the blood covers everything, everywhere. There's a massive application of the blood of God. God's blood was poured out. God, the Lamb of God, His blood was poured out for the sins of the whole world. So blood is applied that way, diffusely, but it's also applied directionally. Because in the tabernacle, they would sprinkle the blood with hyssop, but then he would take the blood, he'd pour it on the mercy seat, and he'd put it He'd pour some in the front of the mercy seat, and then he would take the blood, and with his hand, with his finger, say finger, with his finger, he would seven times put blood on the mercy seat. He would perfectly make atonement for all of mankind. There is, the shadow is the tabernacle. It's a shadow of what? It's a shadow of the heavenly tabernacle. And in the Holy of Holies, the mercy seat before the throne of God, Jesus went in with his own blood. His blood was poured before the altar, and then he took his blood with his own finger. He put seven times the blood on the mercy seat, and once and for all, he has become the... And it's done directionally. With his finger, he sprinkled it. Luke eleven twenty. but if with the finger of God I cast out devils, no doubt, no doubt the kingdom of God has come to you. The finger of God. How's the blood applied? Absolutely diffusely in every way, but there's times the blood is applied specifically. And we've had to deal with people who've had demonic issues and things that have been difficult. With the finger of God, we said, get out. With the finger of God, I remove you right now. The finger of God. But it also says in Matthew 12, 28, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of heaven is here. The Spirit of God breaks every chain. Where the Spirit of God is accepted as the Spirit of God, every single yoke, you, every single 
thing. Yeah, there's emancipation from every form of bondage. The finger of God is the Spirit of God. And the blood of God was shed for all mankind, but the Spirit of God comes to your life. And the Spirit of God comes into your heart and your world. And he comes specifically, and the Spirit of God goes through every aspect of you, body, soul, and spirit. And he removes from you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body. That Spirit is in you, and it will remove everything that is opposed to the revelation of God's purpose for your life. The blood of God is diffuse, but the blood of God is also very, very particular. He can come and he can point out issues, and he comes to apply specifically the blood of Jesus to areas of life where you can enjoy absolute liberty and freedom. How are we doing? All right, so you have a legal right to the throne room because of the blood. The Holy Spirit has a legal right to invade you because of the blood. You have access to his place because of the blood, but he has access to your place because of the blood. The blood, applying the blood, gives Jesus absolute, absolute access to every part of your life. Revelation, Revelation 12, verse 10, I think it is, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's the objective thing, the blood of the lamb. Was the blood of the lamb shed, was it? Back to three people. We had four. Was the blood of the lamb shed? What do we do now? What's your part? By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So the word of your testimony is what do you say about the blood? I say that the blood does exactly what it says it does. The blood has totally set me free, healed me, ransomed me, redeemed me, totally from, from my head to the soles of my feet, blood was shed to completely set me free. So the word of his testimony. So that's how you do it. One last verse, Isaiah 43, 25 and 26. I, and this is in the old covenant. This is, this is the old covenant prophet looking ahead through, through a, a veil, just trying to figure it out, but prophesying wonders. He said, I, even I, prophetically saying, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions. Why does God blot out your transgressions? Why does he eliminate your weaknesses? Why does he eliminate your faults, your flaws, your sins, your fears? Why does he do it? For my own name's sake. God doesn't do it. He does it for you, but he does it for himself. He, he is bound to himself. He himself, he takes personal your freedom. God Almighty takes it personally that you should be free. He really does. And I do it for my own name's sake. And I will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. I did it in the King James Version just because it's the best version for this verse. So God lays that beautiful promise on you. But then he says, now in light of that promise, what are you going to do? Come on. Open your mouth with me, plead with me, declare over yourself, this is absolutely true in my life. Now, if you're here today in any of those areas we talked about, seven areas of bruising, uh, of brokenness, of hurt, of pain, any of those 39 lashes manifesting themselves in your life, everyone in this room is healed today. You're healed from your pains, you're healed from your past memories, you're healed from all of those things. I, I, honest to goodness, I want Jesus for his name's sake. I want him to be made famous in this whole region that there's a place. There's a place that really believes that God's back, caring for his people. There's a place when the corporate anointing takes place that all brokenness is gone, every devil flees, and every sickness is healed. I'm contending for that. I'm contending for that. And it, it, isn't, it isn't so that we would be great. It's so that everybody out in this whole world would know Jesus is a great, big, loving God. Because he said, go in my name. Go in my name and testify and be a witness for me that the kingdom is here. There's a new king. There's a new ruler in charge. And the other one's been displaced and kicked out everywhere you go, manifested by healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. The blind see and the deaf hear in the name of Jesus.